Welcome to a Why Is This News edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation blog covering all things Ohio State Athletics 24-7, 365. My name is Matt Tamanini. I'm one of the co-managing editors for the site, and I am joined, as always, by one of our Land Grant contributors and an editor emeritus, the lovely Buckeye herself, Bleeding Green Nation's Alexis Chase. And Alexis, I heard a little rumor that you actually watched a basketball game last night. I sure did. I mean, after that beautiful preview, I was really excited, and uh, it was a good game to start with. It really was. We're going to get to that here in a little bit, but we have to start, Alexis, as always in the fall with the Ohio State football team because they are getting ready for really what could be a make-or-break game. You heard Patrick and Colton talking about the importance of this game in the podcast feed in an episode that came out on Thursday about it, how it really could be a program-defining game, especially in terms of this 2018 season. Go back, listen to that. Those guys are awesome. And I will say, they might get a lot of crap for uh, some things that they say, Alexis, but it's kind of funny how like three, four, five weeks after they say it, a lot of the fans and other media members come around to their point of view. So I'm not saying that they are trendsetters or even psychic, but I'm also not not saying that. So just putting that out there. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree. And I'd also say they're of the rare breed where they're not homers. And so they're willing to, you know, make what would be a hot take, but it's not very hot. It's just honest. And sometimes we might have a hard time making those uh, announcements or whatever. It's a, it's a tough thing to do to criticize a team that you love as much as I know both of them do. But anyway, let's look forward to this game uh, against Michigan State. The game will kick off at 12 noon in the p.m. Eastern time. The game will come from East Lansing, Michigan, and will be broadcast on the Fox Television Network. Now, Alexis, there was a couple bits of news before we get to that game this week. First up, both quarterback Dwayne Haskins and offensive coordinator Ryan Day made some short lists for national awards. Haskins was named one of 16 semifinalists for the Davey O'Brien National Quarterback of the Year Award. Ryan Day was named one of 53 nominees for this year's Broyles Award, which honors college football's top assistant coach. I don't, I kind of think he probably doesn't qualify for that really since he was the head man for three games, but we'll let them decide that. But I feel so like that's, that's re- probably why he's among them, right? Sure. Like if not, it's like, okay, I mean, He's been doing a good job, obviously, and being Haskins coach and the quarterback coach. But I think him stepping in for Meyer is probably one of the reasons he's there. And as much as I would love for him to win it, I feel like that's maybe a bit of a long shot, but I'd give it to him. Yeah, especially because the offense hasn't looked so good since uh, Meyer came back, but we're not going to get into that one on this show. Um, But another thing with Haskins, it's really interesting to, uh, to keep in mind that Yes, Michigan State has an incredibly good defense. Um, uh, Chad Peltier did a fantastic breakdown of the advanced stats, which we'll link to in the article about this podcast in the show notes uh, over at LandGrantHolyLand.com. But if Dwayne Haskins is able to have an above or even a slightly less than average game for him, Alexis, he's probably going to break the Ohio State single season passing record. He only needs 278 yards. And then he will surpass Joe Germain's 3,330 that he had during my junior year of high school back in 1998. 
you know I've been talking about writing an article and about how Dwayne Haskins is the best passing quarterback in Ohio State history literally since the first game of the season, but I didn't want to jump too far ahead, and now I think I'm behind the eight ball on that because he's literally on the doorstep of breaking a a 20-year-old passing record. And really, I mean, he's going to have at least three games after this, maybe four five um so he really could destroy this record and put himself so far ahead in this category that it would be very very difficult to imagine anybody surpassing that anytime soon sure and i you know i've been wrong a lot (laughs) (laughs) on this podcast full disclosure i'm not a very good score picker but man was i really wrong about haskins before the season when we did like our preview show and when i sent you all my predictions for the year I'm pretty sure I said he was going to throw like 18 touchdowns on the season and something like 1,700 yards, and it is going to go down as my worst take of the year. I'm going to just put it up there now. It was I was so wrong, but I'm happy about it. I'm okay to be wrong as long as it's a good wrong. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a really bad pick. I know it was so <laughs> bad. <laughs> I think I even asked you. I was like, "Are you sure you only want to pick 1,700?" I'm like, uh, yeah, that's that team's totally reasonable, you know, coming in after Barrett and Meyer's gonna definitely try and run him and he doesn't run that much. So, you know, it'll take him a year to adjust. But no, he had seventeen hundred yards in what, like not even halfway through the season. So sure. Real bad, Alexis. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens this week, and I I think that there's probably a pretty good shot that he gets that number probably mid third quarter if not before Michigan State's rushing defense is the best in the country so the chances of Ohio State being able to have any kind of ground game are slim to none Uh, so it looks like Haskins will probably have to be slinging the ball around probably short for most of the game so we'll see what happens there Flipping around to the other side of the ball for the Michigan State game Brendan White after his breakout game in relief uh, uh, against Nebraska. He is now listed as co-starter at the free safety position with Sean Wade. Jordan Fuller back from the targeting penalty that brought Brendan White into the game is listed as the starter at strong safety. What that likely means is that Fuller will start start opposite Brendan White with Sean Wade as the nickel safety. Um, There was some really good coverage this week about how with these changes and then with the corners, Ohio State's secondary has really tried to change how they are approaching wide receivers. Since about 2013, 2014, Ohio State has almost completely focused on press man coverage when it comes to pass defense. That has worked tremendously well during the Kerry Combs DBU era, Alexis. Come back. Not, <laughs> not so much when you don't have great cornerbacks. And that has led to a lot of the big chunk passing plays that have been a bugaboo for Ohio State throughout the season. Against Nebraska, we started to see some of that changing. While they still will be in press man coverage for the majority of the offensive snaps, instead of it being 90%, 95%, it's fallen down to maybe three quarters or two thirds of the time that they're going to be in press man coverage. Meaning that while they will be preventing the big plays from coming in, they will be allowing shorter completions underneath more uh, dink and dunk chip away plays rather than big chunk plays where they're gaining, you know, 25, 30 yards, potentially 75 or 100 yard, 90 yards or whatever. Um, so I, I think with making that change 
And then with making the change to the back part of the of, of the secondary with the safeties, with bringing White in as a starter, having Sean Wade play quite a bit, especially as the nickel, I feel like they're tr- finally starting to make adjustments on the defensive side of the ball that we and especially uh, Patrick and Colton and some of the other guys writing on the site have been calling for for most of the season. I feel like finally after that bye week, we're starting to see them open their eyes and watch the film that we're all watching. I don't know if it's going to matter. I don't know if the talent is good enough for it to make a huge difference, but at least it's encouraging that we are actually seeing some sort of substantive changes on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think they were a little bit forced into that with Jordan Fuller, you know, having to go into the locker room because if if not, Brendan White wouldn't have seen the field and there wouldn't have been a big uproar like, uh, you need to play this kid. He was clearly one of the best players and he should be out there. He's making the defense better. Like, I don't think they would have done that otherwise. So I'm hoping it's a sign they're going to start make changes or making changes. But I don't know. I don't know how to feel anymore about like. I love all the players. I think they're super talented, but I think that they also need to adjust their scheme to fit the talent they have. Cause like you said, maybe they don't have, you know, like we don't have five players uh, like DBs going to the NFL this year. Like that's like being drafted in the first round. That's just not happening. That's not the level of talent that's there, but they're young and they just need to be developed, but they may need to adjust some, some of the things they're doing to accommodate what they can do. Yeah. Slowly but surely, it looks like Greg Schiano is realizing that you can't just do the exact same thing every season, no matter who you have doing it. You have to kind of make adjustments depending on what talent you're running out onto the field. So I'm optimistic that these changes can help, especially against Michigan State, because Michigan State's quarterback, Brian Lewerke, is not exactly a Dwayne Haskins level passer. So if they can minimize the impact even further that he has throwing the ball, and the defensive line can do what it's done for really most of the season and negate the the running game as much as possible. Um, hopefully that will put as little pressure as possible on the linebackers to try to make tackles. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful about this change being a positive one going into Michigan State. I, I'm still just super worried about what happens in two weeks, but we'll, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, that's... I don't know. I'm not celebrating right now, but I'm also not like dejected either. It's like, I just, I'm like in the middle. I don't know really what to do, but the the season's nearing the end. So we'll find out soon enough. (laughs) All right. So Alexis, you're not feeling dejected. You're not feeling super excited. You're kind of in the middle. So are you going to give us a kind of in the middle pick for the Buckeyes and Spartans game? What are you thinking? I am. I think it's going to look somewhat similar to Nebraska. You're going to have some good plays and then some like, oh my gosh, I can't watch. What are they doing? Um, So 36-24 Buckeyes. I still think we're going to win. I mean, it's like, you know, the smart kid in high school that like could just float by. It's like you could do really well, but, you know, you can also put into it. Yeah, just a little bit. And you're still going to still come out winning and you'll be fine. So 36-24 Buckeyes. Okay, my score is not nearly as impressive. That's a 12-point margin for you. I have the game coming down to one point. 28-27. But the thing here is, Alexis, I'm taking the home team. I am calling for the Michigan State upset. Uh, It's the first time I've done it all season. I've been on the homer train as much as possible. But if Ohio State looked that bad against Nebraska, Michigan (gasps) State is a much better team 
with a much better coach at East Lansing. Ohio State and Urban Meyer have had issues against Mark D'Antonio in Spartan Stadium. So I, 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 maybe it's my grandfather always used to say, expect the worst, hope for the best. So maybe I'm expecting the worst and hoping for the best. And then if Ohio State wins, I can't be disappointed uh, because they won. And I, and then I will officially be completely out of our LGHL predictions pool for the season. But I just, I can't, I, I just don't have a lot of faith in, in this team playing against good teams right now. They did beat TCU. They did beat Penn State. Both of those teams have looked markedly <laughs> worse since Ohio State played them. And Michigan State's just always a team dating back to the, that 1998 season with Joe Germain. And that's actually it was my senior year of high school, not junior, I said at the beginning. 1998 game, Michigan State beat Ohio State when they were ranked number one or number two in the country. So it is a little bit of symmetry here. I don't like doing this. It pains me. I'm going to go cry after we're done recording, but I'm going to take 28-27 Spartans. I mean, I don't really think you're crazy for that. I'm hoping, I guess, optimistically that Ohio State plays up to their opponent and they realize like Michigan State is another level of you know competition and hopefully they meet that. But I'm, you're not wrong. I mean, I don't hate it. I mean, I hate it, but right, like right, right. it could be it could happen. Yeah, I mean, and Michigan State is a is a very good team. Um, they are, you know, number eighteen in the country. So this is a it's a number ten versus number eighteen matchup. I, I think that this is going to be one, no matter who wins, where it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be a slugfest, and I'm just hoping that Ohio State, you know, doesn't have the glass jaw that they've shown in other games this season. I'm going to be really like excited for the after football season this year to just like feel like I'm really going to get to take a deep breath and just relax for a minute because I haven't felt that way in at least like five or six weeks watch, watching the Buckeyes it's like oh no I gotta watch them again on Saturday and they're gonna <laughs> it's gonna like make me stress out and be on the edge of my couch the whole time and we'll win but then I'll have to do it all again a week later yeah that's rough. All right, so let's let's move on to something that is a little more exciting, Alexis. It is still football, but man, did the Buckeyes have a pretty good week in the NFL last Sunday. It was so exciting. Real quickly, I just want to say Curtis Samuel had two touchdowns for the Panthers. Tight ends Nick Vanette of the Seahawks and Jeff Hireman of the Broncos both found the end zone. And those two guys are targeted like two or three times a game. So the fact that both scored in the same week, I was pretty impressed. Uh, and then you had rookie linebacker Jerome Baker. He's with the Dolphins. Uh, he had his first career pick six and danced for like the entire rest of the night. But he earned it. And uh, Michael Thomas, of course, set a new franchise record in New Orleans with 211 receiving yards in one game. Uh, but the real news was when he got into the end zone late in the game, he celebrated by pulling out a <laughs> cell phone that he had hid in the goalpost, honoring Joe Horn with his touchdown celebration, which uh, did draw a penalty for him using a prop. Um, but the Saints, yeah, the Saints still ended up winning. Opinions are pretty split about it. I mean, I personally really like it. I think it was risky to do in what was then a pretty close game still. I don't know that they were, you know, pulled ahead enough. But at the same token, I feel like if the NFL is going to allow touchdown celebrations, let props. I mean, that's the fun part of it. So I'm okay with it. So you're you're okay with it? Dude, I could care less. Do whatever <laughs> the hell you want. Celebrate however you want. Have 
you know, that creepy orange uh, Philly Flyers, uh, Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> mascot drop in gritty. from the roof. Gritty, that's it. Let Gritty drop in from the ceiling. I don't care. Do whatever you want. Celebrate. I'm, and I'm so tired of, like, in baseball, unwritten rules, and you're not allowed to flip your bat. Just go away. Have fun. If you do something great, do whatever the hell you want. You've got 30 seconds. Be the star of your own Broadway show in the end zone. I'm totally there for it. Agreed. I think it's more fun to watch it when they're having fun. So do a little salsa, pull a cell phone out of a goalpost. I don't care. Enjoy it. I can't do it. So go for it. (laughs) So that's awesome. Uh, Michael Thomas quickly adding things to his Hall of Fame resume because it honestly, it crazy as it seems and is only in his third year. If this isn't a Hall of Fame career, I don't I don't know what is. Um, obviously, there's a long way to go. It's only three seasons in, but dude is is quickly moving up the Ohio State NFL wide receiver charts. Chris Carter needs to be looking uh, behind him because it very well could be a few years from now when Chris Carter and Michael Thomas are in a discussion as the best Ohio State alum uh, to ever play wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, yeah, and I definitely think that Michael Thomas is like the new – prime example of like the top wide receiver like for the younger generation of receivers he's doing it all yep he's the best can't guard mike you really can't i mean like they literally couldn't last week (laughs) it was incredible no all right so let's uh move from football to basketball on monday just a couple days before the Ohio State men's basketball team started their 2018-2019 season, junior forward Micah Potter announced that he would be leaving the program and looking to transfer to play out his remaining two years of eligibility somewhere else. He is a six foot nine junior forward from Mentor. He has played in 59 games at Ohio State and averaged just 4.1 points and 2.8 rebounds per game. What's interesting is, Alexis, is that I know you haven't watched because um, Aaron Kraft wasn't on the team, but you're you're getting back in now. But Potter began both of the last two seasons as the starter for Ohio State, generally at center rather than forward. But in both of those seasons, he was eventually replaced by Trevor Thompson and then Caleb Wesson. He has started, I think it was like 17 games. But with Chris Holtman kind of really re- constructing this lineup to go a little smaller and with Caleb Wesson reportedly getting into shape and we're going to talk about how he looked uh, in the season opener against Cincinnati that really is the only center type player that they need on this team they do have other wings that are as big or close to as big as Micah Potter but in guy like Kyle Young who's a much better shooter than Michael Micah Potter um, and then you've got uh, freshmen like uh, Jadon Ledee and It looked like Potter just didn't have a spot, so he's going to go somewhere else to play the rest of his college career. And what's interesting is that Micah's younger brother, Noah, Noah Potter, he is a four-star defensive end who is currently committed to the Ohio State football program. And after the news of his brother's transfer on Monday, he did tweet confirming that he still planned to join the Buckeyes next season. He said, quote, for anyone wondering, I am still 1,000% committed to Ohio State. I feel like the math teacher's over at Minner need to uh, explain to him that you can't be a thousand percent committed, but that's neither here nor there. So Micah Potter's gone. Noah Potter's still coming, but Alexis doesn't look like the Buckeyes missed Micah too, too much in their season opening win against Cincinnati. Ohio state had not played the Bearcats in a regular season game in almost a century. And they made up for lost time in a defensive struggle by beating Cincinnati 64 to 56 
Four Buckeyes were in double figures. Kyle Young, Caleb Wesson, Luther Muhammad in his first collegiate game, and C.J. Jackson. Um, Luther Muhammad was one of those freshmen that played along with Dwayne Washington Jr. Muhammad had 11 points. Dwayne Washington played 20 minutes. He only picked up three points, but still, you play 20 minutes in your first game as a, as a, as a college freshman. That's pretty impressive. Another new Buckeye that got a considerable amount of playing time was Wake Forest transfer guard Keyshawn Woods. He played 27 minutes. He only had four points, but he did lead the team with five assists. Alexis, only eight players actually got into the game, which is much less than I thought we would have seen from the first game. I thought Chris Holtman would have emptied the bench, gotten more, you know, uh, time for some of those younger guys, but it worked as the Buckeyes held Cincinnati to 56 points. Cincinnati is not as good as it has been in recent seasons. They've had a lot of really deep runs in the NCAA tournament, but they lost a lot of players from last year, but they're going to be a good team this season. Um, So I, I was really impressed by how good this team looked, especially on the defensive side of the court, because that was something that Andre Wesson who had six points uh, on the game as one of the starters. He did talk about the fact that that was what this team was going to be made on this season. They didn't have the scores like they had last year in Kate Bates, Diop, or Cam Williams, or even uh, Jay Sean Tate, but they were going to be a defense first team. So I, I was pretty pleased with this. This was incredibly encouraging as far as I was concerned. I was, I mean, it was my first Buckeye game in quite a while that I've watched. But like I said, after the preview, I was excited. So my two takeaways, I guess, from the first game were I'm actually really excited about Musa Jallo. I think he was all over the place um, in a good way. And I don't know, I was impressed with him. And I know that he's like a young guy. So that's just something to be excited about. And then Kyle Young has the Aaron Craft rosy cheeks. I found my new Aaron Craft. But no, it was fun. I was excited to see good basketball and, you know, to be yelling at the refs again through the TV. And, you know, it's like, ah, Ohio State basketball. I've missed you. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been gone. I mean, they more well, missed you. Than- well, I mean, it's been gone since last season. It's been That's gone true. from my life for a few years. But yeah. <laughs> I'm really into, I don't know, just the whole team. It seems like they're meshing really well and have a good chemistry. I did love also that Jay Sean Tate was on Twitter just calling out the refs every single time. The refs cheating. He's like, I can't wait to be loud this season. So that should be fun to watch too. Yeah, and where is Jay Sean's like over in like he's playing overseas, I thought. Really? I don't know. I thought he was like Yeah. Uh Jay Sean is currently playing he played for the Bucks in the summer league. But I believe he is playing for the Telenet Giants, which is um, based in Antwerp. Oh. Antwerp in in Belgium. Oh, Um, Antwerp, Belgium. Right. You knew that. (laughs) Yeah, that one. Yeah. So uh, good for Jay Sean Tate staying up late over in Europe to uh, to watch his old squad and yell at the refs. Like that's just that's also what I'm looking forward to this entire year is going to be watching his Twitter feed during the games. Yep. All right, Alexis, in addition to football and basketball, anything else exciting going on for the Buckeyes over the weekend? Yeah, the men's tennis team is in Surprise, Arizona on Friday for the ITA Oracle Fall Championship. Uh, Both the men's and women's cross-country teams will compete in the NCAA Regionals this weekend, beginning Friday at 11 a.m. 
Men's hockey is on the road against Colgate on Friday at 7 p.m. and Saturday at 4. And the women's hockey team is also on the road, and they'll take the ice against Bemidji State at 4 p.m. on well both done. Friday and what? Oh, yeah. Bemidji. Bemidji. I was really excited about it. Just, it's fun to say. <laughs> uh, ooh, and the women's basketball team will host Detroit Mercy on Friday at 7 at Value City Arena. And they're on the road for an early season test against UConn Sunday at noon. That's, I feel like. That's not a test. That's. What? That's a butt kicking. Ohio State's women's team is going to be awful this year because they lost 95% of their production from last season. And UConn's UConn. So this is going to be one of those games where you hope that UConn doesn't win by 80 and that the Buckeyes score at least 20 points. I feel like how mean is it that they're playing this early in the season? Like, shouldn't you have like a couple months under your belt before you're forced to play UConn? Like, it's just like, oh, that sucks. (laughs) But they do play Sunday at noon. So, you know you're into that uh chris holtman's men's basketball team will try to get to 2-0 on sunday at four against purdue fort wayne and last but not least the swim and dive team will compete in the acc big 10 challenge in west lafayette on saturday and sunday man they've got the acc big 10 challenge uh for swimming and diving huh who knew yeah (laughs) i i I learned today (laughs) there you go and knowing is half the battle it is all right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this Hangout in the Holy Land episode. You can find all episodes of the podcast on LandGrantHolyLand.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. You can follow this very show on Twitter at HolyLandPod. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWMatt. I just got back from a work trip in New York City, so I've got a ton of really super exciting Broadway content over there, so check that out. Um, you can also follow Alexis at LovelyBuckeye on those same social media platforms. You can follow the site at LandGrant33 on Twitter and at LandGrant holy land on facebook guys it's a noon game it's gonna be a rough one so be prepared buckle in wear your your favorite wear your lucky ohio state jersey paint your face do whatever you have to do because it's all hands on deck for this michigan state game of course as always enjoy the game and go bucks go bucks